Today's tailwind tip of the trail comes from Scott War. <laughs> Scott, what do you have? You know, I'm glad that I could join ta- Trail Runner Nation today. We're happy to have this, you. Uh, We're happy to have you, Scott. Tailwind nutrition tip of the trail. I'm going to tell you, um, if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you know, I I have one Achilles heel. That's a kind of a metaphor. Right or left, Scott? It's a metaphor. Oh. Uh, and that is my feet, the bottom of my feet get blisters. And I have struggled with blisters since day one. Um, and as we've talked, m- most of that time they don't happen on a training run. They happen on race day. I mm-hmm. can go for a three-hour training run and then have no problem. But then on race day, for some reason, at hour two, I'm getting blisters. Um, one thing that I have found that works extremely well for preventative blisters is kinesio tape. Hmm. Are you familiar with that, Tom? I, I am. Kinesio tape is what that uh, volleyball player put on her arms a few Olympics ago. Uh, you know, it's used to kind of keep muscles from contracting. I don't know what it's for, but that's not what I use it for. Uh, what I do is uh, when I know I'm going out on the long run, I use take some kinesio tape. Uh, wash my the, my heels is where I, I have a, a huge problem with blisters. My whole heel will blister up. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll tape that up with the kinesio tape. It's very flexible. Uh, it's very, very adhesive. And I know how much you like adhesives. <laughs> um, and it actually uh, uh, helps me prevent blisters on the bottom of my feet. So go get yourself con- some kinesio tape. I thought you were going to say that you soak your feet. And Epsom salts? In, tail, in tailwind nutrition, <laughs> it has that would a, be funny. It has some electrolyte quality. It to does, it, right? And Epsom salt <laughs> is an electrolyte in a sense. So, has anybody experimented with that, Scott? Has anybody maybe, physically? Maybe I need to rub some tailwind on my feet, or instead of putting like uh, foot powder in your shoes, sprinkle a little bit of tailwind in the bottom of your shoes. You know that new flavor, naked without any taste <laughs> at all. I'm thinking it wasn't intended to drink at all. I think it's you put on your your skin. I think we have just developed a brand new market for tailwind nutrition i think i'm going to call jenny and let her know that it can be used as a foot powder well you know it, until somebody tries it we we really need we some, can't disprove it we need some <laughs> member feedback we need some people out there that would has there ever been a time scott where you didn't finish all of your hydration on a run you know you still yeah. have some left in a bottle uh-huh. right you don't always like oh, final step final drink it always yep. doesn't have there's a little bit left over yeah with that i recommend rubbing it on your muscle on the sore mark quadriceps, <laughs> just massage it in a little bit, right? Washing uh, your hair. At the end of a race, uh, at the end of a run, you, you get a little bit of that, you know, trail flavor, all right? <laughs> Maybe you throw a little bit of that underneath the armpit. I th- I'm not so sure that it isn't effective. It, it, uh, so this I'm is, speechless this right is, now. <laughs> I'm speechless. It, it's not the official tailwind challenge. This would be a secondary challenge, but the real tailwind challenge says what, Scott? It says... You go on to tailwindnutrition.com, you've signed up for a race, you tell, put on there what race you're going to do, and you buy Tailwind Nutrition. I think it's at a discounted rate. I think you get a 20% off. 200 servings or something like that. So yeah. There's so a they bunch. S- they send you uh, enough that you can train with it, and I think that's important. They're not just asking you to go out on race day and, and train with this. Why? Because they are endurance athletes themselves, and they know the cardinal rule, don't try something new on race day. So you give it, get enough to train with, then you go out and run your race with the Tailwind Nutrition. If you aren't completely satisfied with what you were able to accomplish with the Tailwind Nutrition, because it gives you two things, it gives you hydration, it also gives you uh, the nutrition that you need. And electrolyte replacement, so that's and three, elect- things. three things. Three um, things. Four things, peace of mind. <laughs> 
five things blister prevention and six post post race <laughs> rub down um, solution. I think that they'll only refund your money if you're not completely satisfied about the first three, which right. is hydration, electrolyte, and nutrition balance. Right, I don't know right. if they'll refund your money for. But anyway, if you don't like it, if you decide, you know what, this just didn't work for me, they will refund up to $150 of your race fee, which basically I think is the cost of what you're you're paying for. So it's a risk-free way of trying Tailwind Nutrition. I don't know anybody that I've talked to that hasn't tried Tailwind that didn't love it. I definitely have not talked to anybody who said, you know what, it just doesn't work for me. And Jeff and, Je and Jenny over there in uh, Colorado are just the super nice people. Durango, right? Colorado. And they're, they are, they're trail runners, endurance athletes, just like we are. Yep. And they're, and they're out to make a difference, and they have a passion for the sport. And, and a it, passion for this drink. They want to make sure that it's not just a, a, a sweet drink they want to make sure that it's uh effective yeah, so uh give it a try i think you'll be happy with it uh, i know i know i am uh, and i know scott yep. is so go out and uh fill up your bottles put a little extra in the bottle <laughs> so you can have a, a bit left at the end of your race or your or your training so you can rub it on the parts that hurt <laughs> and go out and drink Moss. this episode brought to you by audible let me tell you about Audible, Don. I have been a member of Audible for probably 13 years now. Yes, sir. And I love it. It's where you can go and download books, audio books. Put it on your uh, smartphone, on your MP3 player, on your iPod. Download it to your, uh, your laptop. And they have over 150,000 titles that you can choose from. Um, over the last 13 years, I haven't counted up how many books I've downloaded, but I probably have. Let me tell you about how many you've told me about on the trail, Scott. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Yeah. Have, yeah, you have quite a. We have quite a few trail conversations based on books that you've listened to of all kinds of subjects. You know, Born to Run is a great book that we've talked uh, about many times on our podcast. Christopher McDougall, we've had him on our podcast. I have never read the book. I haven't. Only, I've only listened to it. I've listened to it probably three times. Um, there's a lot of different books on there. There's a lot of running books. Um, when I got involved with Audible, um, I was driving a lot, and mm -hmm. I got sick of news, radio, sports talk, and all that sort commercials. of stuff. Commercials. And commercials. So I started downloading audio books, a lot of business books. That's what I first started listening to. When I started running, I got sick of music, and so I started downloading uh, books. But there's a lot of different books there. There's also... With a paid subscription, you can get um, the daily and weekend version of the Wall Street Journal Is on Audible. Right? Somebody's yeah, so reading the paper to you? Just the highlights uh -huh. and the, the highlight stories, but it's actually uh, very fun. Daily, you can get the Wall Street Journal. You can listen to it on your way in on the train. or You are an insider, aren't you, Scott? I, You're just uh, not a poser. You I, are. I, I have been a fan of Audible yeah. for a long time. Now, here's what they've done for Trail Runner Nation. They have created a website that if you go to this website, and it has to be this website, it's audiblepodcast.com slash TRN. TRN stands for Trail Runner Nation, of course. Which way is the uh, slash? Uh, I don't know which way. It's, it's the important, normal way. Scott. I think it's forward. Back, forward, okay. Try them both ways. Forward slash, <laughs> I think. If you try it the wrong way, it won't come up. All right. But it's audiblepodcast.com slash TRN you will get a free download of any book in their library. Born to Run? 
you could get Born and Run. You could get Scott Jurek's book, Eat, Eat and Run. Hmm. You could get, uh, you know, we've talked to Bill, uh, we've talked to Peter Larson. Bill and Peter Larson wrote the book uh, Tread Lightly. Right. That's on there. Um, there's a, a book on chi running, I noticed. The one, uh, well, Dean Carnassus has, has a couple books. Says Ultra Marathon Man. That's one that I've never read, but I've, I've listened Confessions to. Confessions of an All Night Runner. Uh, yep. There's also another one that he wrote, 50 Marathons in 50 Days. I haven't listened to that one. But there's one that I did see that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to download after I uh, was looking just the other day. The Longest Race. Hmm. That's the next one I'm going to download. All right. Um, but anyway, if you go to audiblepodcast.com slash TRN, you'll get a free download, a 30-day trial membership uh, just for being a TRN member. Well, you can't beat that. We appreciate them opening that up to us and making uh, our our time on the trail even more enjoyable, enjoyable, so, educational. So, so you know, we only do podcasts like every five or six days, right? So, if you listen to it, you you have some other training to do. So, you need something else to listen to. So, this is a great way. I'll tell you, this is an advice. I don't know if you've ever listened to Dan Brown books. You know, he did, uh, um, oh, what was it, Da Vinci Code, and he right. did a bunch of. They're very good books. They're very good because each chapter ends in a cliffhanger. If you want to be motivated for that next run, download a Dan. In fact, a new Dan Brown book is on there. That's another one I need to download. But you listen to that, and you finish your run, and you're on a cliffhanger. So you need to go, I, I, I need to finish. The, I, I want to keep going. So the next day, you get up and you go run. Have you ever extended a run just yes. to finish listening? Absolutely. I've made a second lap because I was in the middle of a chapter. Yep. <laughs> That's good motivation. It is. So go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash TRN and download Moss. Today's episode includes Petzl's running strategy. Scott, I've got a running strategy for you. Hit me. <laughs> That's, you know what? <laughs> That was so tempting, Scott. <laughs> However, could think um, about a reach. I, I want to talk a little bit about my denial of shoe size. That, as a new runner, that is probably one of the biggest obstacles that I had to overcome. You, they, you know, you read, you read right from the get. It says, select one to one and a half shoe sizes larger. Where than does you it say that? It doesn't say that anywhere. It just, it just, that's just common stuff. It just, they Not say Not for it. a new runner. That, I knew about it new. I didn't. I read about, you know, how Where to- Where were you when I started? How to select your shoe size for the trail.com. It was something like that. <laughs> I went there and it says, or, or I was talking to the guy, you know, that was handing me the shoe you, box. And you, pr- you probably went to a, a running store. He said, what size my, do you my, wear? My mistake was I did not. I went to a big box store to buy running shoes, okay. which was my first mistake. Okay. And I said, I wear size 10 and a half. And he says, then you need a size 12. And I said, no, I don't. <laughs> Number one, 12 is like, for Basket, me. It's, it's, like, it's like what Akeem Olajuwon wears. At, well, it's not quite that big, but I had, I had this mental barrier, right? That, that size 12 was just heavy and, and they looked big and I need something light. It's like wearing flippers. It seemed large. <laughs> and so I said, I will take, I will go up in size because I, I'm not going to just look at you and say your information is invalid because what do I know? I'm here to get your advice. I'll take an 11, please. Half so you size up, up half size? Half size up. <clears throat> well, I didn't realize that running downhill requires a little bit of room in the front of the toe. So that was an early lesson. 
boom. I Those go, shoes didn't last very long, did they? My feet didn't last very long. The shoes are, I still have. <laughs> okay. <laughs> They're the, lawn mowing shoes. Yeah. And so uh, up to 11 and a half. And then through a few years of continued experiment, well, denial, really, I now am in a 12. And I will say that I am normally an eight and a half, nine. Mm-hmm. I, in most shoes, I'm definitely a 10. Depending on the on the shoe manufacturer, you just have to you just have to go you just have to take and heed that advice and yep. just go go that direction. Now, for me, because twelve was was a problem, and I've stated on this podcast before that I use European sizes primarily for my own personal um, gratification. <laughs> gratification, Scott, <laughs> but but more just why do you use security. European sizes? You're not you don't live well, in Europe. No, I know, but forty six to me isn't big. Oh, oh, oh! Yeah, but because twelve then is. You, then you avoid the 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 negative connotation negative of, connotations of, of a twelve. Of a 12. I, I wore a forty three, forty six, forty six, so whatever. Makes makes it's much better for me. Well, here way. here's uh, I'm gonna piggyback on yours, and we okay. mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, don't go to just a big box store. Don't order your shoes online, um, and until you know what you need, go to a running store, your local, you know, brick and mortar running store. That's usually run by runners because they're passionate about the sport and they want to make money. And so they say, oh, so I'll sell shoes. People that like to sew or, or quilt do not go to work at running stores, Scott. You're right. They go to, they go to, to the work quilt at a quilt store. store. <laughs> <laughs> Never take advice in a quilt store from so, a runner. So go to a local running store, ask around, or just look in the yellow pages. No one looks in the yellow pages anymore. Google running store. Google yellow pages if you're <laughs> under 30. <laughs> and Go to a local running store. What they'll do is is a lot of them are trained so they can they can look at your your gait and tell you what shoes they think will, will work best for you. And then they'll let you put them on. Most of them will let you go outside and run up and down the block in them and see how they feel. Most of them have some kind of a guarantee that if you go out and you run in them and you bring them back within a certain amount of time, they'll exchange them for something else. Uh, you may pay a little more, but I'll tell you what, the value of going to a local uh, running store is great. Money well spent. Couldn't agree with you more. And and the same goes for, for headlamps, right? Finding the right headlamp. So you don't go to Home Depot and buy the Energizer headlamp if you're going to go you see trail that there, running. Scott? Did you see that on display saw, on the corner display? Absolutely. And, and I've been tempted because you look at that and you're thinking – you know, there's 15 LEDs in this headlamp, and it costs $6. That's right. got to put out some light. It's, that should be good enough for me. It's not, Don. I've tried those lamps on the trail. You know, you've mentioned a number of times, what's more expensive, a nice headlamp or two broken wrists? Or a broken collarbone? Sure. Or a fractured femur? <laughs> I don't know if you can well, do that on trail. No, no you can. And, and we talked to somebody that, that did fracture their femur on the trail but scott i'm going to go one step further you are yeah on the trail one step and it's this you could end up with a substandard light and what changes with substandard lighting performance yes but even more important than that it may be directly related to it is your gait it's how it, it you may end up with an injury of some kind not just from tripping but with poor light you may take different type of step and move differently in ways that, cause, you, you, that could cause a problem. So for Stub a, toe. a multitude of reasons, you've got to light it up Twisted right. ankle. Easy, Scott. You're making me my toes curl. So the one, you know, we've talked about a number of, of Petzl lamps on this program, but the one that Don and I have really gravitated to and we both own is the now spelled N 
O A. Are you spelling? Nope. N A O. Sorry, I just spelled it wrong. N A O. Now, now, N A O. Because we used to call it the Noah, I think. I don't know what we called it, but anyway, it's the Now. It's a great headlamp. It does cost a little bit of money. It's rechargeable batteries, so you don't have to put in new batteries every every week or every other time you go running. All you need to do is just hook it up to a USB charger, um, and it's just a great headlamp. Scott, you know what I've noticed? That, that that headlamp, although it has a rechargeable battery, it lasts for a long time. A long time. That's good. That's what you want in a headlamp. So I'm going to start doing some math, Scott. I'm going to figure out how many uh, what it costs for AAA batteries. I'm going to see just how inexpensive this now headlamp is. Do you is. know how, many, how much money you spend a year in batteries in your old headlamp can we just talk about the effect on our uh not our economy but our ecology what is the what word am i looking for the dump <laughs> <laughs> how many batteries you throw away every year yeah, yeah. On, on the green on the greenness on the green factor scott well i don't you know i sure i like to save the planet but that's not the reason why i like the rechargeable <laughs> battery i like the rechargeable battery because i know that i have battery in my headlamp because it has you, an indicator you just can't throw that little fact away no you can't i'm say, telling I, you i do care about my planet. the thing that drives me crazy yeah. is is being out on the trail and i don't want to waste my batteries, so i let it go as far as i can and so and i've been out on the trail where the batteries have run out oh, i've been there with so you. i always carry extra batteries well why do i need to do that when I have a rechargeable battery, I know how much battery life I have. I don't need to carry extra batteries with me. I'm good. You know, I'm golden. Sc- yeah, yeah, Scott. You know, I I'm kind of a I'm a guy that throws a battery away a battery away early just because I don't want to get that dim effect later. Right. So I will I'll just toss it and then I'll rationalize with it. Well, it's cheaper than a visit to the emergency room. That's how I rationalize my so early disposal. You're filling the landfills and. That's right. Being a bad steward of the land. So go out and grab yourself a Petzl headlamp. Go to their website at Petzl.com. Check out their lineup, lineup for ultra running, and see what they've done. Check some of their... Did I mention they have a really cool backpacking headlamp? A backpacking headlamp. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, it's called the E-Light. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's killer. Yep. Okay. Very tiny. Anyway, sorry. That was a mini commercial. <laughs> <laughs> a mini commercial within yep. a commercial. Go 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 to your local uh, uh, sporting goods store that carries Petzl. You can find out who carries them at Petzl.com. And go ask for the now. It's made for trail running. Now go grab some light and run. Boss. Are we recording? You guys ready? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Recording? Um, I'll say I'm Faith Goss. You say I'm Don Freeman. Okay. Oh, I like I, I Faith Goss is not one of them. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Ashley, were you expecting a professional podcast? No, I wasn't. Apparently not. Sorry, guys. And action. <laughs> Thanks for joining another edition of Trail Runner Nation. My name is Scott War. And I'm Don Freeman. And today we have Ramon Urbina. Did I say that right, Ramon? Actually, you did not say that correctly, but a lot of people in the U.S., and I'm used to that, um, <laughs> uh, call me Ramon, and that's fine because I love the Ramones. Uh-huh. Actually, my, the, the name is Roman, but... Um, Roman. Like Roman. That's, that's more manly. That's more, more manly, man- Roman. So we're going to call you <laughs> Roman because you're manly. <laughs> we, oh, we okay <laughs> we, we were turned on to roman by uh bill katofsky who we've had on our podcast he's uh 
one of the brainchilds behind the Natural Running Center, and and Bill contacted us and says, "Hey, you got to get Roman on the program." And uh, we said, "Well, why, Bill?" And he said, "Well, first of all, Roman is like a world class endurance athlete. Um, for I don't know how many how many years have you been putting on the mountain bike race, Roman?" This is going to be our 21st edition. Okay, so tw- for for 21 years he's been putting on, and you're going to have to – I'm terrible at Spanish, Roman. The Ruta de los Conquistador? Right. Nice. You got that one. Uh, yeah, it means the route of the conquistadors. And what we did with this race is – actually, this is an interesting event because it started out as a uh, expedition following the path of the Spaniards, the con- – that did the conquest of uh, this area of Costa Rica. And the whole idea of the expedition was to do an analogy of what they had seen and written about and what we could appreciate when we started in order to call the attention of the general public to stop cutting down trees and polluting our rivers. But when you get a group of people that are cyclists together, you get a race. And that's how it all started. Now, now, this isn't just any race. It's been named by Time Magazine as, as what? The top, um, one of the top 10 hardest endurance races in the world. Uh, yeah, that's correct. Uh, unbeknownst to me, that's what <laughs> We just made it up, Roman. We just, no, it's not made up. It's actually true. Uh, Time Magazine ranked it as one of the top 10 endurance races in the, in the world. What makes yes. this race so tough? You know, a lot of different things. First, uh, um, the uh, climatic factors. We have, um, you know, it's heat and uh, it's humidity, but it's also uh, the chill factor because we go up in the high mountains. And so there's uh, heat and cold at, in the same period of time. And it's, a, it's the only race that traverses uh, the American continent from uh, the Pacific Ocean to the Caribbean Sea. So it goes from zero meters to 12,000 plus, uh, I mean, from zero feet to 12,000 plus feet and back to zero again. And um, in the way, it crosses a, a huge mountain chain. And so now, that's now, what makes it To hard. give you a little background, if, if you have not been to Costa Rica, and I'm looking at Don because he has not been to Costa Rica, I have had the pleasure to go to Costa Rica before. Um, this was probably three or four years ago. Um, I went to Costa Rica on a, on a business trip, mm-hmm. uh, although it was a pleasurable business trip. And, and um, I, if I can remember the place, it's out on the Pacific Ocean. Is it called Tamarinda? Uh-huh. That's where we stayed. But here's the, here's the thing about Costa Rica that I had no idea. Costa Rica is a small country, but it has the most diverse, and you can correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, Roman, one of the most diverse climates of any place I've ever visited. On our, our 10 days that we were there, we went from desert to uh, Mediterranean climate to rainforest to jungle to alpine. And, and just with that, within like a few hours driving of, of our resort on the, on the Pacific Ocean. And uh, I, I've told this to a number of people, um, and, and it is true. I've been to Hawaii. I've been to Costa Rica. If I was to choose which one I would like to go back to again, although both would be pleasurable, <laughs> I think I'd go back to Costa Rica. It's an amazing country. 
Wow. Yeah, you are totally correct. Do we get an we endorsement have... from the Costa Rica? Yeah. Um, Brought to you by the, by the <laughs> well, you, Department you of Tourism. Get, for sure. You should, they, they should advertise with you guys. <laughs> I think they just did. <laughs> they, just, yeah, they just did. Actually, um, you're correct. The National Geographic considers Costa Rica as the most biodiverse country on the planet. We have more species of birds than North America and more species of birds and insects than whole, the whole African continent together. And we're the size of West Virginia, so you mm. can kind of get an idea. When, when we were there, um, one night we were driving back to the hotel and ran into a two-toed, I think it's a two-toed, two-toed sloth? Yes. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. It was, it was like climbing, climbing upside down on uh, electrical or a phone, a phone wire with uh, little babies on its uh, tummy and... We stopped the bus, got out, walked out there, took lots of pictures of it, and it was just—it was actually kind of cool. It's a really, really cool country if you if you haven't been there. But so sorry for well, the commercial. Well, well, Scott, now I haven't been there, but I have Google Earth. <laughs> okay. And, and I have zoomed down into that country because you know I felt a little bit you know, ill prepared. I know uh -huh. that you have, you're a man of the world and you've traveled <laughs> everywhere in a passport filled with ink, right? And me, I'm just stuck here, just doing my day in and day out thing, trying to keep things moving along. And so I had to go to Google Earth last night. And part of my trip took me to these wild-looking places. But then here's what I saw that makes me pull back a little bit because I don't want the rush of people going into Costa Rica. Uh -huh. I saw a picture of a complete yellow snake. Oh, I'm telling you, I'm not a snake fan. But this I think, thing, yellow, I think yellow means poison. Ooh, it did not look good. Ramon, give, give, me, give, me, give me the one-two on the, the yellow snake. One-two. The yellow snake you saw is a, um, it's called a uh, eyelash viper, and it's one of the most dangerous snakes around. <laughs> I didn't now, see one when I was there, Roman. But the thing is, you know, you get everything here. Uh, we have a lot of snakes. Most of the vipers are nocturnal, so as, as far as going on trails at night, it's not the best idea. But you don't you don't really see them in the daytime. Um, so a Petzl nighttime running tip for this podcast is don't run in Costa Rica at night, or have a, a light so bright that the the snake thinks it's daytime. And if you see yellow, jump. <laughs> yellow. Feet. Yeah. Well, sorry, we're we're getting more off on a on a commercial here, but I I wanted to set the stage because Costa Rica is. Not only beautiful, but the people are are very welcoming. They love tourists, and it, it's just a really, really neat place. So I'm going to fast forward now, or rewind. Roman has put on this three-day mountain bike race from the Pacific Ocean over to the Atlantic Ocean. But then last year, and you're going to have to correct me if I'm wrong here, Roman. Last year he decides, hey, let's do a foot race. So all of a sudden you decide, hey, let's let's put together a 50K and a 100K foot race. And you did kind of – did you do a race last year or was it more of a uh, a, a preparatory thing? No, no. It was, a, it was actually a race. Um, and was last know, year it, the – it, it's, it's it, it always – you start with a preparatory thing and you end up with an actual competition. <laughs> so, um, yeah, same, same as it happened in the first edition of La Ruta. You know, it was, uh, it was meant to be an expedition, but it turned out it, it just happened to be a race. So uh, since that had happened to us in the Ruta bike, we decided to, you know, start with the right foot and uh, do a race from the very start. So tell us a little bit about this, this 50K, 100K race. 
Okay, the whole inspiration of the uh, the race. Well, I've been a I've been a uh, multi-faced athlete uh, in the endurance world for about thirty years now, um, and um, running has been a big part of uh, what I love to do. Uh, you know, I put on this mountain biking race, and people know me for the for the La Ruta race, but I, I love to run as well as I like the bike. I had the opportunity, of, I've had the opportunity of doing a, a few ultras and a, um, a, a lot of hard runs. And I've always thought that I actually put together one of the oldest um, trail runs, off-road marathons in Costa Rica, uh, in one of the beaches here. So I've been, I've been doing, I've been involved in running for a long time as well as biking, but I'm not very well known in the running community. Mm -hmm. uh, a few years back, I had the opportunity of um, doing uh, another, another event that is uh, featured here in, in Costa Rica, which is called the Coastal Challenge. Uh, I bet you've heard about that. But it's a, it's a multi-stage uh, running race, uh, and uh, Direct was a participant in one of the, in one of the uh, editions, and I had the opportunity of running with him for a few days. and and uh, talking with him and and it was it was great it was very enlightening to to run with such uh important figures of the ultra world and uh so i was i was uh, it was great to do this la ruta running instead of on a bike uh in 2010 will lachlan who's also a very famous ultra runner um he's friends with a, a ray um zahab Mm -hmm. The guy mm -hmm. who ran across uh, the Sahara. Yeah. They both contacted me and they said that they had this project that they wanted to do a coast-to-coast -coast run in Costa Rica. And I, I immediately jumped on the idea and I said, well, I'll help you guys do whatever you guys want to do down here. I'd love to meet you guys and, and run with you and share a passion for what we both, uh, all, you know, all three of us love. And, um, and that's how... It, and so I, I told Ray and, and Will, instead of running, you know, they want to do border to border. They want to do Nicaragua all the way to Panama. I said, instead of doing that, why don't you do the route of the Conquistadors running? And they said, yeah, well, let's, let's do it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, they were both set to do it. Uh, and Ray had something happen. I don't know if it was business or health, but he could not make it. And so it was just Will and me that were gonna was gonna run the the course, the actual La Ruta course, which is uh, it used to be a four day race, a mountain bike race, and now it's a three day race. But it used to be when Ray, I mean when Will came to do it, it was a four day race, and um, we were set to do it. And I broke both wrists on the lead moto for the La Ruta mountain bike race, about eight days before he came so i was unable oh. to go the whole distance i did run a few i did run about six hours with him with cast on both hands <laughs> but that was not a good idea <laughs> <laughs> i was sore for many days afterwards anyways long story short will comes and he does one of those amazing things that people you know that show what the human spirit can do and he ran the same course in the mountain bike racers in the same time. Wow. Uh, so they did the whole coast to coast run in four days, which is 
Incredible. How many, how many miles um, is that? Um, that is, let me see. Uh, first day, I'll, I'm going to switch to uh, kilometers here because we, we use kilometers here and not miles. But the first day was 121 kilometers. The second day was 87 kilometers. The third day was uh, 90 kilometers, and the third and the fourth day was 121. Wow, kilometers. So it's yeah. but the distance sounds a lot, but it's not the distance that's hard. It is the territory, the altitude, the you know. I think he must have done close to 80,000 feet of climbing altogether. 80,000 feet of climbing in that. In that distance, in the, in the four days. Oh yeah. my goodness, that's a lot of climbing. Yeah, it's it, a lot. It's a lot of climbing. As I was reading through some of this, uh, and and help me here, that the first uh, leg of that mountain bike, which is uh, the what you said, 120 k. There's a there is a, a cutoff, a 12 hour cutoff, and only 50 percent of the riders actually make it within the cutoff. Is that's that correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which shows the level of difficulty. If you have athletes that are willing to make the trek and 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 travel that distance, you know they're coming with their A game. They're not coming and, and they're not going to give in easy and throw the towel in just based on a little discomfort. That it must be quite a challenge to get that done. It, it's a it's a it's a real challenge, but the, that ratio has been increasing. You know, people getting better equipment and better trained so now we're up to about 75 percent of the entrance that mm. um the finish yeah and as you get some more details on the race right you get you end up with um podcasts and you end up with websites and people giving race reports and, and now you have some intelligence to go out there and you know you need this type of gear and you know that you're going to be confronted with this and that and you learn from others experience and as a as a tribal community much what trail runner nation does is is link together ideas and people to help make them more successful at what we're doing i'm sure that's the reason you went from 50 percent to to 75 percent yes Totally. The word's gone out that people are training better. They know what to do. Now we have, you know, 21 years ago, we didn't have the GPS files. We didn't have the Internet. We didn't have, you know, a lot of stuff that it's, uh, you know, it, it, that we have out there today. So that's what makes it easier to, to finish. So, so let's talk about this foot race since we are trail runner nation, not mountain bike ration. Oh, although although there's, there's many of us that ride mountain bikes. I have a mountain bike. Trail nation. Yeah. Um, but uh, let's, let's talk about this race. Um, last year, well, first of all, it's, this is not an easy 50K or 100K. Um, I can't remember if it's a 50K or the 100K. I think it's a 100K that has 13,000 vertical feet of elevation yes. climb is that right yes uh the 100k has uh, approximately 13,000 feet of um of, of climbing and it's uh it's a very tough day so let, let tell us about last year um one of the things that i think is unique about this is and i, I don't know how you came up with this idea but you thought okay we're, I'm, I'm gonna start this race and i'm gonna go and invite who else to race this race just up the river, if you will, from uh, Mexico, the Tarahumara. And yes. so you had some Tarahumara tribesmen that came and ran this race last year, right? Yes. Um, you know, sometimes uh, it's 
I, I don't know if it's in, in my experience in life, there are things that the scientific method or statistics cannot explain. Uh, I'm very scientific in a way. I have an upbringing, you know, from a scientific kind of background. But there's just things that are fate, and I think um, this this run comes from that area. Um, I had the opportunity of meeting Scott Direct before the Born to Run book was out. He told me about his experiences with the Tarahumaras and from a totally different angle, uh, as uh, was uh, uh, Christopher McDougall had written about in his book. Uh, and then a, a, y- a year later, I bought the book, and I thought it was, wow, what a fun story. I thought, you know, it was a well-written book. And I, uh, my girlfriend was invited. She's also an ultra runner. She was invited to a race in Mexico, uh, ultra run in Mexico. And uh, the winner of the ultra run happened to be a Tarahumara. And I had told her about, man, I really would like to do this La Ruta run like Will. Uh, how about if we try the first day of, of the run? Let's organize a you know, group of people and, and scout it out and, and do it and see if, you know, if it'd be something worthwhile to, for people to come and explore on foot the wonders and beauties of this incredible country. And uh, so she contacted the winner, and the winner happened to be the guy in the Born to Run book, hmm. uh, Silvino Cuesare, uh, who these uh, and but these Tarahumara Indians, indigenous people. I'm sorry, not Indians, but indigenous people. Hmm. Uh, they are very shy and, and very soft-spoken, and they do not socialize very much. But the, but they the the Tarahumara. There's a group of uh, runners, of 300 Tarahumara runners that are organized by a also a, a indigenous non-runner, but a well-spoken and well-educated, the Professor Chepe, <laughs> who, take, who takes these guys to different runs in Mexico, and uh, he's trying to promote um, the culture, the Tarahumara culture abroad, and also help out uh, with all the needs that these Tarahumara Indians have right now, because they're in great need right now. I mean, there's the drug cartels are in the Copper Canyon right now, and it's been there's been a drought for two or three years. So you know, their seeds are they have a lot of needs. And so um, we, I, I got the contact of the professor Chepin. I I told him about well, we would really like to invite you guys to come check out this run to see if if it would be something that it'd be nice to do and he immediately said yes sure let's go let's do it how many how many uh runners can you afford to bring down i said well i can't afford to bring down very many (laughs) i can you know i can afford to maybe bring down three you guys and he said well i'm on it and so uh so we invited him and two of his top runners to come check out La Ruta Run. And, that's, and, and one of those was Silvino, right? One of those was Silvino, and the other one was Aurelio, who's up and coming, the young Tarahumara Indian. And so they came down. We, we ran together. Uh, at the end of the run, they, t- they, you know, they told me it was the hardest run they had ever done in 100 kilometers. 
Wow. That they, that they were used to finishing 100 kilometers ultras in Mexico and other places they had gone in from eight to nine hours. And it took them uh, 12 hours, uh, 53 minutes to finish. Oh, 11 hours, 53 minutes, almost 12 hours. And, so, and Silvino won, right? Silvino won, yeah. Two minutes ahead. It was a, they were jockeying for positions. So, you know, we didn't know who was going to win because, you know, Silvino and Aurelio, you know, one minute, one was ahead of the other and the other was ahead of one, you know. And at the end, Silvino won and the uh, Aurelio came in, I think it was two minutes after Silvino. So it, it wasn't that 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 uh, big a difference. As you watch them run, the Tarahumara run, what do you see in just their ease or their lightness, or do you see anything different in how they approach the trail compared to other people? You know what I see? Natural selection. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I see. I mean, these guys have been running for, you know, Pre-Columbian, I mean, pre-Columbus times. These guys, uh, the Tarahumara, Tarahumara, Raramuri, it means light feet. Light feet as in fast runners. Mm -hmm. And these guys were um, the runners that brought the Aztec kings, the fresh fish from the coast to, you know, to where um, the settlements were. And um, their whole... Their whole idea of life, you know, running is a big part of their their existence. They had to run to escape the. They were never conquered. They were fierce fighters of the, you know, the Spaniards that wanted to conquer them. They ran into the Sierras and the Copper Canyons, and these guys were never really, you know, uh, Catholicized. Um, and so what you see is people that are they. Perfect biomechanical form. Um, they um, and you watch them, and they all run the same, you know, as if they were trained to run in a certain way. Um, which is they they take small steps. Their bodies are leaned uh, a little bit f um, forward, so they're using the the weight to, to move them forward, and they do not use excess um, excess fuel or excess energy. Either they're running or they're sitting. They don't waste <laughs> they don't waste energy, you know, hanging around and they don't do fast pulls and they don't you know, it's like constant pace. And they and that's they start at the same pace they finish. So that that was really amazing to see, and also to watch the photographs of um, other runners running next to them, and you can see you know bigger steps. They don't use their their arms to swing you know big swings like other runners use their upper body to the run you know use they they use, they hardly move their upper body their hands. So it's it's pretty interesting uh, to see that. You know, as we were talking about it earlier, we were saying as information is gathered and passed down to, you know, the next group or the next group of, of racers coming to do your mountain bike race, that we learn more and can become more efficient and, and better. And so I, I think of the same same theme with, with uh, 
the Tarahumara, as they have had generations and generations of passing along, this is what works and this is what doesn't work. And running is so important to them that this is is this information is is supreme and handed carefully and taught carefully. So with that said, I've got to think that instead of reading Runner's World and, and looking for the latest gear, that perhaps what they have and how they're doing it through these ages and ages of, of passing along this information, we must be looking very close to the truth and, and what is efficient and what isn't efficient. They must really have it dialed. I totally agree. I, mean, I, I think that sometimes um, you know, marketing and over-engineering of products and sales uh, is the driving force, um, not, you know, not so much um, performance. Everybody wants performance, but a lot of it is sales, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, I think that form as, a, as an endurance athlete in different sports, not only running, but uh, I'm, a, I'm also a swimmer and a mountain biker. And for instance, in swimming, um, if you have the right form, uh, you you don't use as much energy and and you're a lot faster. So a lot of the uh, effort that is for swimmers, a lot of the effort that you put into is not on uh, being stronger, but being more efficient. And I think that the Taramadas have it down in that in that respect. I, I look at some images and some pictures from uh, NaturalRunningCenter.com and and from from your own race website, and I and I look at the, the most current ultra-running gear and the people wearing their, you know, uh, s- s- um, tech T-shirts and their all, all of their... You know, $150 pair of shoes. All of the stuff. And then I look right next and I see just the opposite of that. And one person that's all dressed up like a space spaceman is, is looking much like this is work and I'm out here trying to, to make this distance happen and then i look at the at the other that is just passed along is that running doesn't have to be hard running wasn't isn't meant to be hard we're, if we're designed to run then we are efficient we just need to relax and not punish ourselves with the event and just exist and 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 uh move from point a to point b and and running isn't hard unless you decide that it is Embrace it. Yes, I think that you're totally. You know, I think that your comment is totally right. And uh, I find that for myself, the most important part about running and about an event is not really the endurance or, or you know the physical part, but how you perceive the event and how you take it. Uh, if you're, if you have especially in long distance events, if you have the positive attitude, if you're happy, if everything's flowing in your life, you enjoy so much the event that you excel at it. If, if you are pressured by doing a certain a time that you want yourself to push hard to do, and if you have all these things like bothering you, you know, in a 12 hour event, that can really bring you down. And uh, it can, you are your worst enemy and you are your best friend. Well, you know, it's a it's a place to really get to know yourself, to sort things out, and and I have gone out and run where it's hard, and I've pushed myself, and not that you've tried hard, but it just it was a task from the beginning. I, I just made it hard, and, and there are other times that I 
I just, this is my chance to run, my opportunity just to get out there and, and move and move efficiently and take the smaller steps. It's easier to take smaller steps than big steps. You know, it, it's easier to lift lighter weight than heavy weight. So why not just make it easy and enjoy it and, and relish the fact that in, we are biomechanically built to travel at that pace? Well, and, and, and like uh, Dr. Mark Kukazella, who is also part of Natural Running Center, has, has told us again and again and again, when you go out and train, if you're a runner and you're going out and train, part of that training session needs to be doing drills. You've got to bring that em- up, don't you, Scott? That <laughs> emphasize, yeah, that emphasize or, or helps you learn correct and efficient form. If you're going out there and doing it wrong again and again and again, you may become stronger. Your cardiovascular system may become stronger. Your muscles and sinews may become stronger. But you're not going to become more efficient and faster. So I, I think what uh, Roman was saying about swimming, that you need uh, you technique. Know, technique is important. Slip through and a, a lot, sm- and a lot of us forget about that. And uh, the tarumara, do not. In swimming, you slip through a small hole instead of being a barge. I'm a barge when I swim, Scott. <laughs> I think it was. <laughs> I think it was cross training. I'm. I take as much water with me as I can at any given time. I even think there are other people hanging on behind me, dragging me down. But I just pull forward like a. <laughs> They're in your wake, like a workhorse. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is. Uh, that, that's so funny. No, no, but yes, I think. I think that uh, the form is, is is so important. The amazing thing about the Taromadas is that they don't train to run. That's they don't have a stopwatch. They don't have a tr- you know a particular training program that they go out two hours a day, three hours a day. Their their life um, it doesn't. They don't know the concept of what training is. You know, their life is uh, running. Their events they do it with passion. Um, all a lot of their Social events uh, are about running from age three years old. There's this community, the sense of community uh, that the Tarahumaras have is incredible. I've never seen um, other, you know, in other places in the world that I've traveled, that sense of community. Every, I, I, we were invited to a race in Mexico after the Tarahumaras came here and ran, and, and that video came out, the one that's on our website. Uh, and that was exported to Mexico. And all of a sudden, you know, the Mexicans, they decided to put on a race to help the Taramaras being so that they are, you know, they were, were well known here in Costa Rica and they didn't have a race. I mean, uh, they had a, they, they've had a, a few races over in the Copper Canyon, but not in the rest of Mexico. So one of the provinces or states of Mexico, the Aguascalientes, decided to honor the Taramaras by, by doing the first ultra of Aguas Calientes in their honor, and we were, you know, we were invited to participate. We had uh, the opportunity of not only meeting uh, the two guys that came, but a whole group of Tarahumaras. And to my amazing, my amazement, the the sense of community that they have was incredible. There was a three-year-old um, girl, uh, and every the whole group took care of her. Not only not only the parents, but the whole, you know, 15 Tarahumaras that were there. They were, you know, one were playing with her, and she was running around. She was had all this freedom. So it was interesting. Now, Chris McDougall's book, Born to Run, um, brought to our attention as, as a, 
um, a society or as a group, um, the the racers and the runners of the Tarahumara. Uh, I've I've got it. Just we discussed it a little bit before the this podcast started. The influence that this community, the Tarahumara, has had on us globally as runners. I, I, and I'd like for you to talk about that because you've run with them and you've you've you know eaten with them and chatted with them. Sitted, sitting down, of course, because standing is wasting energy. <laughs> but, exactly. you, you know, the influences they've had on all segments of gear to running form, everything. Can you talk so about think, that? Think about how much money the Tarahumara have cost the shoe industry. <laughs> yeah, we're trying, to get, we're trying to get grain to them, but they have moved mountains of money in, in, uh, in our economies just based on their habits. I, maybe maybe uh, Roman should speak to this and let us. Yeah, well, I, I think that's pretty ironic, you know. They're, you know, they're uh, they're kind of they're hurting for grains, which is pretty basic, and they've influenced a multi-million dollar in, uh, industry in the rest of the world, and um, you know they're trying to imitate uh, what these guys, you know, how these guys run. I think it's uh, it's incredible, really. And, and, but what's most incredible is that they have no clue as to what they have done. That's that's what I was going to ask. Do they have any idea of the impact? I mean, do they know that Born to Run was on the New York Times bestseller list and has sold, I'm sure, millions and millions of copies? That, that my dress shoes that I'm wearing right now from Patagonia, no heel, totally flat shoe, and I just <laughs> love this shoe. It yeah, was designed because of well, just the, the awareness. Part. Yeah, just just the the shift and the focus from you know big clunky shoes to a bit more minimalist. And that's why I ended up with this shoe. And and I was thinking today as I was looking down at them and putting them on and the podcast today because I dress for a podcast. Do guy. you? Yeah, and so I am. Uh, I'm putting these on and I'm thinking, you know what? There's an influence right there. Just what I'm selecting today to go out. You know, uh, as as far as my as my impression on this, I I don't think they have the slightest clue. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if they've read the book. At least the ones that I had uh, the pleasure of being involved with, um, no. They don't. Well, they I don't, would think they, if anybody had read the book, it would have been in Salvino because he's the most prominent Tarahumara in the book. Yes. Um, I, 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 I don't think uh, I didn't ask him, but uh, but I, I, you know, I don't think they did. So, you know, so they're very soft spoken. They don't speak very much unless I broke the ice with them uh, for two with two reasons. One, I participated in La Ruta Run, and I, I, I was also a runner at that in that you know in that first edition of the of the race. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when the race was over, we were brothers in pain. <laughs> and, uh, and that, you know, that, so I had, you know, I gained their respect in that, in that, in that uh, area. And the second uh, opportunity was going to Mexico and uh, sharing with them because we were in the same quarters. We were invited into this, um, the municipality or the government had a special villa, a sports villa, where they all they put us all in in the same place. So we shared with them a few days of eating the same stuff, and and then and then running um, in this uh, race that they were honored to, to have. And I'll tell you a little bit about the race. It was 
first of all, it was something that they had never done because um, the Tarahumaras are used to running in the Copper Canyon, which is up and down, up and down mountains, um, and totally off road. And this ultra marathon that the the Aguascalientes people set up was all flat and in desert and on on asphalt. So they were they were hurting. Mm-hmm. I was hurting too. We're, we we never run in uh, here in Costa Rica. You're going up or coming down. We hardly have any flat areas to run. Um, so, um, long story short, Tatamatas won the race, and our our team or our representatives from Costa Rica, we had three runners. We were dead last. <laughs> um, and when the top Tatamata got to the finish line, um, they were asked to go back to the villa to um, rest and eat and wash and... Um, and, and just, you know, and hang out. And they all said, no, we are not leaving um, the finish line until Costa Ricans are called Ticos, until the Ticos get here. And they, may, they, they finished in eight hours, and we finished in 15. <laughs> <laughs> so they were there for a, quite a long time waiting for us um, you know, to make it to the finish line. Uh, but that's the sense of community they have. That's the sense of like the tribal kind of thing. The, for the start of the race, they did this spiritual dances with incense, and that was in the start of the race. And for the finish of the race, they also had this dance thanking God or the gods for having, having made a, a safe journey um, in the 100 kilometers. So, I've never seen that in any race I've participated in. You know, one, one of the things that, that we'd like to point out, and maybe we like to point it out because we experience it, we don't absolutely take credit for it, we just, we just notice it as the trail community, that there is a, well, in fact, a, a, a community of goodwill, of wanting to help one another, that yes, there's a race going on, but maybe the bigger race is you against the course, or you against the sun, or you against whatever adversity that's in, in front of you, whether it's a hill or a stomach that doesn't feel good, there's the bigger race, and not from one-on-one racing against your, the, the other person. Although there's some good high-spirited competition that happens, especially in, the, in front of a race, because that's what drives a, a lot of people, and, and it's good. But one of the things that we talk about is that real community spirit and aspect that comes with the trail, and, and that's what I just heard you talk about um, down in Costa Rica and in, in Mexico with the Tarahumara and, and everybody else that was around that area, there must be something that about the trail that brings out that characteristic in the human being. It, it, it may, it may be, maybe these types of people are attracted to the trail, or maybe the trail just yeah. makes us into those types of people. Uh, yes, I think... Uh, are we st- are you guys hear me all right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, because I lost you for a couple, couple well, seconds there. I, I said some good <laughs> things if you if you lost it, so just assume that it was just like you know, gold. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, yeah, good. yeah. I, I I totally agree with you guys. I think the trail running, especially ultra running, um, on trails, uh, has this sense of community. You know, whether you're the first or the last guy there, we are enjoying nature. We are passionate about what we're seeing. Um, there's a lot of a, a lot of companionship, and uh, I love that. 
that's some amazing. It, it doesn't matter where you're, whether you're first or in the middle or last. And and like you said, the the people that finished in eight hours were waiting for the the finishers at fifteen hours. We have examples of that time and time again out here where. You meet up after a race or before a race or, or, or whenever. It, it doesn't matter. You're not wearing your finish time on your shirt and deciding whether you're a better runner or someone that should cut in front of the line to, to get something because you're faster. None of that happens. We're all equal, and time isn't important. It's the fact that you're a, somebody out there just in, enjoying the day and, and the challenge. So let's... Correct. Roman, let's, let's get... Let's get into the specifics of, of this race. Um, we want to see as many Trail Runner Nation members uh, go down to Costa Rica. If you've never thought of going to an international event, uh, boy, this may be the one that you want to consider. Um, tell us a little bit about We know it's a 50K or a 100K. You can compete as an individual. You can also take a team. Hmm. How, how big of a team can you have? Okay, we have the idea. This is the idea. Um, we, I'm using the our know-how on on putting you know tough endurance events on the organizational part to be able to you know provide a a, a good event for the people that participate. Yes, we have a 52 kilometer um, category individual, which is it's going to be one of the hardest 52 Ks you can imagine, but also one of the nicest because you you get to see a lot of different um, different great things about Costa Rica, jungles, and you get to see the beach, and uh, we we run through little towns on the way to our finish line. So that's uh, the shortest category. Then we have the 100K, which is, uh, for I'd say, for experienced runners, um, it's, it's not an easy, like the Taramata said, and also, um, one of my buddies who is a, um, a, a famous runner, his name's Kurt, uh, Lindenmuller, and he's a German that lives here in Costa Rica who has finished a bad water in eighth place, uh, last year and also was the winner of the Brazil ultra. So he's an experienced runner and they, they all agree it's one of the hardest one of the hardest 100 kilometers they have ever done so the 100k is is, is definitely a, a big challenge and then we have um the team um uh category and it's from two persons to five persons uh, we will have four official aid stations along the way so it's a semi supported you semi-supported um, race uh, and you can change runners at each of the aid stations so you decide who wants to run and where that person wants to run and uh, and you can switch so that's that's the team category that we have thought about that's okay. to give other runners that maybe are not as well-trained as uh, the ultra runners, uh, the opportunity of coming down, um, meeting not only the Tarahumaras, because we also have some indigenous um, Cabecat Indians and Waimi Indians from Costa Rica that are going to be participating in the event. And this is for, this event is really 
a race of acceptance, uh, of peace, and of we're doing this from the heart. It's not it's not a very you know it's got to be a profitable race sometime in the future. But right now, the idea and the focus is is on getting this off the ground and and um, providing incredible for people that have the passion to do something adventurous and different. So so with the four aid stations, uh, it'd probably be a good idea that you need to be carrying a bunch of your stuff. So you probably want to have some kind of a hydration pack or a, or a pack that's carrying some of your um, hydration and nutritional needs, as well as probably with a diff- diverse climate, you probably want to make sure that you have a jacket and that sort of stuff. But most of that information is on their website. Uh, that Roman, Roman has has uh, um, developed, and we'll link that if you're just running down the trail and uh, you want to look it up on your smartphone, which you shouldn't be doing while mm-hmm. you're running. But it's uh, laruta-run.com. Uh, but again, we'll we'll link that. Now, here's the here's the cool thing um, that we worked out with Roman. Roman, what what is the entry fee, and and what kind of deal are you going to make for the Trail Runner Nation members? Yeah, the entry fee is a four hundred dollar entry fee, but if uh, you're part of uh, of uh, the Trail Runner Nation family, we give you twenty five percent discount. So we we will give you a hundred dollars off of the regular fee. Wow, fantastic! Um, so so, so how, how do they do so that when they register? Do they somewhere on the registration form they just say Trail Runner Nation member? Yes, uh, it, we should. Uh, should first e- email email us okay and tell us that you're interested in 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 racing and and that you're part of of this great family of trail runners and we will give you the the discount okay now, now um, one of the things that uh, uh, Roman that you know, I've said it wrong so many times Scott <laughs> count how many times I've said it right zero. Roman? You just said it right. And then I called myself on it. Dang yeah, it. You, just, you just said it right. Okay, our humble guest, Ramon. But I, I, I enjoy you, t- you, you calling me Ramon. I mean, I like the Ramones. <laughs> These guys are <laughs> hey, pretty wild. Yeah, I was doing my background, so a little bit of background reading, and, and uh, you know, Ramon is so humble because he, t- he talks about a story where he's doing a four-day race, and, it, and that's where you met Scott Jurek. We mentioned that a little bit earlier. And you're running He's run with Scott Jurek, right? He and, and they're on this four day, four four day stage race. And the first day, um, uh, Roman is in fourth place and just running, just to run, and is not you know out there just enjoying the surroundings. Scott's at the end of that day is forty minutes ahead of him in third place, and then uh, they decide to run together the next day because they're out there and experiencing and not really racing, but training and endurance. And they each had their own reasons for maybe not pushing their maximum. And so they had a chance just to, to share stories and communicate and learn about one another. And uh, I, was, I just wanted to share that an endurance athlete, Ramon, certainly is, because he is out there, because <laughs> he's out there just running with Scott Jurek, and, and we know that that's not an easy task. So... You, you are a, a uh, definitely a trail runner, the, uh, an individual that knows his way around around the single track and know how to cover some distance. So, that w- much respect to you. All right. So what we will do, we'll link all that information for you. Um, you know, one thing that Don did last night, he sent me a text last night. He looked up what the airfare to 
round trip airfare to Costa Rica was. You want to tell? Them? Well, I didn't look very the, affordable. Well, well, I didn't look at the it, you know all inclusive, but it was I was in the seven hundred dollar range for a round trip. I thought I thought your round that, trip was like three hundred dollars. Scott, that was to San Jose, um, Mexico, I think. Yeah, that was no, that was to get Costa Rica. What's that? I think it depends from where, what part of the U.S. Uh, you can get, and you know, if you're Florida, Floridian, you can get, you know, even less than 300 bucks. Okay. Uh, if you're in Colorado, you can get uh, airfares for about $600. If you're in California, I think it's about the same six, seven hundred dollar um, range. And there and, are. Uh, if you if you email us, and we will help you. Um, well, we want to, you know, we're starting an event and uh, we're doing it from the heart and we want people to be happy and we will help you um, as much as we can um, getting getting down here and getting lodging and, and being affordable. So uh, that's our that's our main goal, just to, you know, be on the ultra map. And that's well, uh, and, and Roman, the, one thing that we haven't talked about is part of that entry fee is going to not only the Taro Umara, you know, we've talked about how much they're in need right now uh, for food and supplies. Uh, part of that entry fee will go to the Taro Umara, but then part of it will also go to the Costa Rican uh, indigenous um, tribes down there. So, you know, you're you're a you're a good ultra runner that you're giving back not only to the community but the the uh, community around you. So, uh, you know, I think this is this could be a trifecta, Don. Well, I, you know, I, there's no reason. You, there's no reason why you shouldn't go down there. there there's, no, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna piggyback on top of that, Scott. And really, what I'm trying to do is convince you and I to go do something like this. Okay, <laughs> you've been trying <laughs> since last yeah, night. I know. Don, he, you, got, you guys have to calm down. Uh, Don, Don was. Don here, was. You, you'll be. Uh, you'll be uh, enticed. You, I mean, people come and they have a. You know, they have their reasons not to come or their fear. Well, but once they're here, Roman, the people and the country is amazing. Roman, you have to. Uh, uh, we forgot to say this, but the the I don't know if it's a country motto or whatever. It's uh, pura vita, right? Pura vita. Man. Pura vida. Pura which vida. Translates into pure life. Yeah, right. that pura that is that is Costa life. Rica. Okay, so here here's my pitch. You know, there are. You don't need to pitch me. I'm sold. Well, I know, but for those that might be listening, they're just on the on the edge, and and, you know, life is short. You know, the the opportunity to be able to go out and be in a physical condition to actually pull this off, whether it's a part of a team, a 50k or a 100k, the opportunity really is in front of you. And if you're able to do that, then we we just need to, and we need to find. A different climate or environment to run in. This is a you know however much money that it would take to put it all together. The one chance that you could see this part of the world from that view, from your shoes and looking around, you don't you're not going to get that opportunity all the time in your life. So so when is this race? Wait, I'm not done yet, I, Scott. I, oh, you're not. <laughs> I need to find out when this right. is so I can start putting my training schedule together. My wife's birthday, November sixteenth. Okay. See, there's just another one. Exactly. <laughs> November sixteenth. Now you can come with your wife, of course. Are you, are Birthday you? gift for your wife. She'll be happy. <laughs> we'll have we'll have a cake for her. We'll sing happy birthday. <laughs> I'll hold you. I will hold you to that. Very good. 
Well, I, I, I certainly uh, have enjoyed the conversation. Love to learn about uh, you know all, all the different characteristics of, of the trail that you experienced there. The Tarahumara Indians that have been uh, just fantastic to for our whole trail running community. Whether they know it or not, we are in debt to them and and in debt to you for for creating an event like this and, and bringing the positive trail mojo to to all of us and and offering up your piece of the globe to us to come down there and and run and appreciate and enjoy. So thank you very much. All right. Thank you, guys. And pura vida. Pura vida, mas. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Thanks. Can't you feel the pain?